It is indeed good to be home. Our text this morning, a word from the Lord through the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me and my compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord, who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning, we have witnessed something truly beautiful. If you came in a little bit late today... Today we welcomed a new brother into our midst through the blood of Christ and the waters of baptism, Cole Taylor. Cole, we are here to celebrate with you the new life you have begun, and we honor your new commitment, and we commit ourselves to walk along with you in this journey. This is just the beginning. Now personally, I think every baptism should be accompanied with a cake that says, congratulations, you're adopted. But no one has yet taken me up on that. So many have passed through the waters of baptism before us, and so many will come after, but today we celebrate what happens here and now. And what is more beautiful than new life? Each year, we get to see new life growing up all around us. If we're fortunate enough to witness the spring, we get to see the recreation of the earth. Grass begins to push its way through the snow-hardened ground. Flowers start the processes that will permit them to blossom into a wondrous variety of splendid colors, and we eventually smell the fragrance of new life wafting on the breeze, if we're lucky enough to have a breeze. The birds who left for warmer climates begin to return, and we hear an increase in the music in the air. But that's the spring, which has long since passed us by this year. But then there are the human births that we get to witness year-round, not just the births through baptism, through spirit, but the children born of the very bodies of this congregation. Those tiny, wrinkly, frail, squirming, poopy, diaper-wearing, often bald-headed little creatures we call newborns. With a winning description like that, I'm bound to be a great dad someday. And yet, they are truly beautiful. 
But beautiful things do not necessarily remain beautiful. The tiny, frail, wrinkly, poopy newborn wakes you up in the night, poops everywhere, spits on every conceivable inch of your house. Going to need a diaper change. Going to wake you up again. It's going to squall. It's going to be hungry. But hey, it comes with a job, or so I hear. But you know, this is all acceptable behavior because the baby doesn't know better. I mean, I've never heard of a malicious newborn. And if you have, don't say anything. It'll ruin my point. What if? I mean, you know, by the time they're about four, they can actually start doing things and getting into trouble. You know, they start drawing on the walls and, you know... Uh, I don't know how many videos there are on the internet of little kids who have ruined homes. Saw some who got into a bucket of paint and, hey, they painted the TV. <laughs> oh, okay. What if, what if though? Just what if you have a 25-year-old on your hands who exhibits these kinds of behaviors? I mean, I'm not talking about disabled adults who actually need the help of a caregiver. I mean someone who knowingly does all that stuff. We're talking someone around my age. I'm 27. Let's imagine someone my age doing all of that, pooping and peeing and vomiting everywhere. You'd start to think something was wrong. You're 25. Get a job. Stop drawing on the walls. Seriously, I should not have to tell you not to put the hamster in the microwave. Cut it out. We've probably all encountered little kids with some serious attitude. I mean, I work in a restaurant with a playroom, so I've seen some stuff. There's one time I was cleaning the glass on the playroom, and I was on the other side. The kids were on the inside. One little girl who's probably like eight or nine was like, hey, I dare you to walk on the other side and put your hand on there and leave a handprint, and I just stared at her. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Kind of freaked her out a little bit. It was awesome. <laughs> but we'd hope that by adulthood, they'd have learned to stop all that stuff. What happens when that adorable, little, frail, wrinkly baby grows up into a genuine nightmare? It happens. Because beautiful things don't always stay beautiful. This is God's frustration in the book of Hosea. The beautiful child he has cared for has turned into a nightmare. And it isn't like Israel has never heard the voice of God before. God speaks and says, the more I called them, the more they went from me. There's probably something wrong here. These people ought to know better, right? I mean, these are grown men and women whom God calls his beloved. But for the last ten chapters of the book of Hosea, God has been crying out to the people saying, why won't you return to me? How could you wrong me so? They're not like the four-year-old who draws on the walls or may tell mommy, I hate you. When really young children say that, we tend to assume they probably don't really mean it. Probably lashing out because they're hurt or upset or maybe aren't getting their way. But it still hurts. And during the teenage years, mommy may again hear those dreaded words, I hate you. And that little girl who said it when she was four says it now. And it hurts a little bit more, but maybe at this point we might be able to blame it on the hormones or something. We tell ourselves, they change so fast, and maybe someday things will be different. What about when it doesn't get better? Now we have a 25-year-old nightmare on our hands. I hate you feels a lot different coming from an adult than it does from a four-year-old. And God is just about done 
with this ungrateful, childish person. In chapter 4, God takes Israel to court and lays out their sins. It says, swearing, lying, and murder, stealing and adultery break out, bloodshed follows bloodshed. In chapter 5, God pronounces his judgment on Israel, saying, For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and I like a young lion to the house of Judah. I myself will tear and go away. I will carry off, and no one shall rescue. Again and again in the following chapters, God lays bare the sins of his people. In chapter 8, we get a glimpse of the people's attitude towards God. It says, Israel cried out to me, My God, we Israel, we, we know you. Yet Israel has spurned the good, the enemy shall pursue him. Chapter 10, verses 13 through 14, God continues laying on the heavy stuff. He says, you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped injustice, you have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you have trusted in your power and in the multitude of your warriors, therefore the tumult of war shall rise up against your people and all your fortresses shall be destroyed. That text alone in chapter 10 may be a sermon we need to hear here in the States, but we'll have to save that for another time. Yet God has seen the uprising of the child he raised himself, the child who has turned into a genuine nightmare. But God remembers that beautiful, wrinkly, bald-headed newborn. God sees the nightmare of the child And says one of the most beautiful words we could hope for in such a terrible stream of accusations. Yet. God says, yet. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet. After all this dreadful talk of punishment and sins and how nightmarish the people are, God speaks that beautiful word, yet. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks, I bent down to them and fed them. Now, even here in our text, God has not forgotten all the pain Israel has caused him. He continues on, saying they will still be punished for their crimes. They shall return to the land of Egypt, he says, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to turn to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not lift them up at all. Certainly, God has not forgotten how Israel has ached his heart. Yet, God has not forgotten what that child was and still could be. And because God remembers, the prophet Hosea records one of the most passionate, touching expressions of God's love found anywhere in the Bible. God looks upon that nightmare of a child and says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? 
God is not even willing to give up his child like Admah and Zeboim, two ancient cities which are lumped into the same category as Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities which God also destroyed for their wickedness. I mean, clearly this people deserves destruction, and to our reason, we may we look at the darkness in their hearts, we may shrug and think, well, they had it coming. But God's not done yet. God continues to speak. My heart recoils within me, he says. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. Now make no mistake, when God enters into the presence of his people, at the very least, it's kind of terrifying. He proclaims that his people, though, shall return to him. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like love doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. All because God remembers. And if God can remember the beauty of his beloved child Israel, despite their becoming a nightmare, then God certainly remembers your beauty. Israel's sins are listed plainly, made visible for the world to see. Just in Hosea, it says that they were guilty of swearing, lying, and murder, stealing and adultery, sacrificing to other gods, playing the whore in one of the most poignant moments of language in there, treating God like maggots and rottenness. And God remembers their beauty. Israel's failures were enormous, to be sure. God's beloved turned their back on him, and God remembers their beauty? Wow. I do not know all the sins represented here in this room, but I can imagine, and I suspect we just about cover the board with all the failures God could ever judge. Stealing, adultery, not being hospitable, Selfishness, drug abuse, porn, ignoring children for the sake of our work, hating someone just because they belong to a different political party, country, or religion, lying, disobeying our parents. I think we've got it covered. But how can I give you up, Johnson Street? How can I hand you over to slavery to sin, San Angelo? My heart recoils within me. My passion grows warm and tender. God is ready to lead us once again with cords of human kindness if we are willing to be led. I mentioned a couple of months ago in my sermon on Job that you do not get to cheapen your pain because you think someone else's might be worse. Someone else's worst pain doesn't make yours go away. And I think something, maybe in reverse, but something similar is at play here. You do not get to remove yourself from the possibility of God's grace because you think your sins are worse than someone else's. You do not get to remove yourself from the possibility of God's grace because you think your sins are worse than someone else's. In the final chapter of the book of Hosea, God calls his people back to him and gives them a future 
worth imagining. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt, accept that which is good, and we will offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria shall not save us, and we will not ride upon horses. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In, in you the orphan finds mercy. And God replies, I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forests of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall live again beneath my shadow, and they shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon." What a perfect image of new life, if only we would pay attention to it. If God can remember the beauty of the nightmare child Hosea describes, then no matter how ugly you think you are, no matter what kind of darkness consumes you or what you have hidden within yourself, God remembers your beauty. And if God can imagine a future for that Israel, then God can craft healing for you and recreate you into the beautiful child he remembers you to be. If you are ready to take a step today toward that healing, toward the return to the beautiful child God created you to be, a child of new life, then come pray with our shepherds and ministers or with the person who is sitting right next to you and let us walk with you on your journey. Let's stand and sing.